When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 2nd, and yes, we're going to talk about baseball. My voice is a little gone because I celebrated Chris Towers' birthday with uh, Frank Stample doing karaoke for about four hours yesterday, so I uh, can blame him. But Kyle Bradish went six innings, one hundred runs, seven hits, one walk, and seven Ks. And I don't know how to feel about Kyle Bradish. I know it's been four good starts in a row, about 600 runs total in that time. And I've been looking at Kyle Bradish saying, look, I don't trust the four-seamer. I don't really trust the sinker. But if the slider and the curveball are both there consistently, then maybe there is something that is sustainable. And here, the slider wasn't really that good. It was a 48% strike rate. The curveball stepped up for five over 17 whiffs. It was only 17 thrown. It was 53% CSW, but it wasn't that uh, overwhelming pitch that I really want it to be. Which meant that the four-seamer and the sinker got by, and that's why you had this good um, outing. The changeup was around, but it wasn't really like this fantastic pitch. And because of all of this, it has me questioning if Kyle Bradish really is that sustainable pitcher. That said, he does get the Twins again a second time. If you want to go for that, by all means. I've been very wrong in my analysis over time, being like, look, I don't really see how this is sustainable. And the guys just do it. And this is the fourth straight Good start from Kyle Bradish, so maybe just ignore what I'm thinking and just keep starting him until there really is fault. On the other side of that was Bailey Ober against the Orioles. Seven innings, zero runs, two hits, zero walks, and eight cases. He's just been doing his thing, and it's been great. He had uh, his four-seamers up once again, but really the changeup took over for 32% usage, which is high for Ober. He's his number one pitch thrown in this, and 44% CSW, and that's great because he could do the BSB. That is a Blake Snell blueprint with four-seamers up, changeups and sliders down. That works. He should be rising on the list because he's maintained this precision start to start. Justin Verlander did good things against the Giants. The curve, sorry, the slider went 11 for 41 whiffs. You love to see it. He's a holly because he's not getting that 10, 11 strikeout games. It was six Ks in seven innings, but he's still very, very much of a rock in your rotation. Nathan Evaldi, you know, I, I am here to admit fault because after two starts of 93.8 miles per hour and then 94.4. I thought the Rangers were going to sit him for a start. They say, look, let's just rest up. You're clearly not there with your velocity. And what does he do? He goes against the Astros, goes seven innings, zero runs, two hits, four walks, five Ks, with 96.1 on his four-seamer. Guys, I apologize. I did you wrong. I did you dirty. Uh, The pitch wasn't that good, though. 14% CSW. The curve and the cutter and the splitter really did step up to get through this one. And I can't help but wonder if this is a Dennis that is... Eovaldi shows up with a 96 down and shows everyone, yeah, see, I'm fine. And now you can sell Eovaldi at a higher rate than you were before. As Eovaldi, I mean, do we really trust that he's just fine now? I don't know. Uh, it feels like there's still a haze here. And that might mean that you can trade him uh, and get some, just something more stable um, in his spot. I don't know. Otherwise, it could just be totally fine the rest of the year. Another mention I should say is, or something else I should mention, is that Eovaldi really hasn't been a pinnacle of health throughout his entire career so just things to think about but yeah I admit fault here I was completely wrong about Evoldi kind of falling off dramatically 
um, after stepping up here to 96. Jack Flaherty against the Yankees, six innings, zero runs, four hits, two walks, and four Ks. And this was great because it wasn't really the fastball doing much. It was fine at 93. But both the curve and the slider looking great here. And now he gets the White Sox next, which is exactly the team you want to face when you have your right-handed breaking balls working. That's a great thing. So cool stuff here from Flaherty. I feel good about that one. Long term, I don't know. He's been very volatile throughout the year. But it's very good to see this. Um, I just hope the hip is okay uh, through the All-Star break. Charlie Morton against the Miami Marlins had just a nice easy start. 5.2 innings of zeroed runs, 4 hits, 1 walk, and 5 strikeouts. Had a good cutter working. Just very nice to see that. Tanner Bybee against the Cubs had an interesting one. As he got the win, 5.2 innings, 0 runs, 3 hits, 2 walks, and 9 strikeouts. Why is this so interesting? Well, it's because the four-seamer really was the pitch in this one, as he did say Verdi, as his hat does ask him to do every single time. Maybe actually he's the glove. I always get that confused. And that was a good pitch, and nine whiffs, uh, as he was mostly up. He did get away with a decent amount of them that were very hittable in the middle or lower half of the zone. But the cutter changed here. Instead of just being a 94-mile-per-hour pitch, it was actually 90, uh, sorry, 84-mile-per-hour pitch. It was an 86.5 pitch with less horizontal and vertical break, being more of that tight cutter and esque kind of thing and uh so the slider is still a slider because it's not 88 or 89 but it is more of a strike pitch than it is a put away offering and i do wonder if Bybee, when i first saw him was more of that four pitch mix of changeups and curveballs also in there and he's lately been more four seamer slider and if that slider is looking more like a strike getting cutter then it is asking more of that four seamer to be this kind of pitch of being up in the zone and elevated and getting those whiffs for him to have success. The change in the cur curve weren't really that major of a factor in this one. The curve, the change was fine. The curve was only thrown four times. So I don't know if I really buy, uh, buy be doing that um, with consistency, with this real two-pitch mix and like a definitive 3-4 kind of thing down there. It's curious. Uh, I, I don't know if I really trust the command fully in year one. I think year two for Bybee does get better. Tyler Anderson against the Diamondbacks, five innings, zero runs, five hits, two walks, three Ks. You'd think that the changeup, which has been good lately, really held on. Nope. It was one over 25 whiffs with a sub 50% strike rate. This was really the decent cutters and fastballs game, and that's fine. We're not going to trust Tyler Anderson against the Dodgers next. Peter Lambert went against Brandon White in a bullpen game in Coors, so you guys know I don't care about that. While Nelson uh, Ryan, <laughs> comma Ryan, Ryan Nelson against the Angels, 7.1 innings, one run, three hits, one walk, six Ks. You could argue this was the gold star of the night. As I really haven't had high expectations for Nelson without his breaking balls really coming to form, it was a changeup for the second straight start that really came through. Now, I, when I say came through, it wasn't uh, the greatest thing ever, but he did a really good job of staying around the edges with it. And I do like that. And the four seamer was interesting as he threw a lot of them and the trim got crushed and they just weren't. I don't know. I, I'm a little weirded out by Ryan Nelson still because it's just four-seamer changeup. And he has this cutter that was 8 for 11 strikes that helped. Is that enough? Maybe. It could be against the, the Pirates, even though they just took down Bido and Aviedo. Um, but something to consider. And I feel as if we were waiting for Nelson to really have those big breakers that we saw at the end of last year for him to really take off. Um, because really that four-seamer isn't that elite of a pitch at the moment, at least in my view. There are moments that Nelson's four-seamer looks so good, but I don't really know if I can buy totally into this. Uh, we have Michael Walker going against the Reds. Five innings, one earned run, five hits, two walks, four Ks. I didn't know if he was going to make this start because he's had that shoulder fatigue, 
playing catch wasn't too encouraging. And we did see, you know, a good outing here, but the velocity was massively down across the board. We saw two ticks down the changeup, one to two ticks down on both the four-seamer and the sinker. And the locations weren't so amazing that I think, no, 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 he's just such a good command guy, it doesn't really matter. So he did well inside of Cincinnati. Props to him for that. I would be cautious starting him against the Angels next time, and Walker could honestly just be sat by the Padres through the All-Star break. As I say, look, your shoulder isn't totally there. We see that. You know, you can really get one more start before then. Maybe we can find someone else. Maybe Adrian Rehon, uh, who's going today for Darvish, by the way. Maybe he does step into that start for Walker next time as he just rests him, and they give him that extra time so that Walker could be much, much better consistently in the second half. I don't know. Don't know what they're going to do there. If Walker continues to start and they say, no, it's fine, maybe he should have higher velocity and not start against the Angels. And I guess he kind of have to do it, but it's a little weird at the moment. Uh, Ian Hamilton started for the Yankees in a bullpen game as this was a double header yesterday after the rainout on Saturday, or sorry, rather on Friday. Uh, George Kirby versus Tyler Glasnow was a very interesting one, and we're going to talk about him and Glasnow and, of course, everyone else after this break. Are you ready to step up to the plate and show off your fantasy baseball skills? Check out Underdog's Fantasy 7th Inning Stretch Tournament from now through July 14th, where you can build your dream team and compete against your friends for the $150,000 in total prizes. So what are you waiting for? Visit the link in the episode description and use promo code PITCHERLIST to receive 100% deposit match up to $100. Join us in the 7th Inning Stretch Tournament and experience the thrill of fantasy baseball like never before on Underdog. Good luck and may the best team win. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 and older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Kirby against Tampa Bay. So here, here's the thing. Kirby does not have the, of course, overwhelming upside of Tyler Glasnow. He had seven strikeouts, not the 11 of Tyler Glasnow. However, Kirby went seven innings, two earned runs, two hits, two walks, got the win. This was lovely. You know, he doesn't have that whiff-heavy secondary, but the four-seamer is great. The, the slider got lots of strikes, and this is all good. Well, Glasnow, on the other side, is a thrower, not a pitcher. Why do I say that? Because he needed 102 pitches to go 5.2 innings of 300 runs and seven hits with one walk. Now, it was 11 Ks. It was a golden goal, 23 whiffs and 37% CSW. But you look at the hits that he allowed, they're not well located. And as long as you guess correctly, you can hit Tyler Glasnow. And that's really the crux of the issue with Glasnow is that, yeah, the curveball looks so beautiful. And he throws super hard and the slider comes in with the zone and all of this. But it opens the door for him to get singled out a ton. Because guys need to sell out on certain things in order to hit him. And as long as he makes it hittable, which he does... There you go. So I will forever call him the greatest peas of all time, I guess. I'm thinking of like your school cafeteria when they had peas that were really good. I don't know. Uh, that's poor execution. Awesome stuff. Um, but Glasnow means he's always going to be in the top 30 because of this. He's, he has such potential every single week to win your weeks. And the floors generally shouldn't be so bad. I mean, this was almost a very poor quality start. But he got you 11Ks, so you're happy with it. But... He's going to get you a fair amount of wins and all that kind of stuff, too. It's just I don't think you're going to see that 2-5 ERA uh, one-whip season from Glasnow just because I think a lot of times you're going to run into trouble like this. 
Cutter Crawford uh, went against the Jays, had the win, 5.2 innings, 200 runs, 3 hits, 2 walks, 5 Ks. Very encouraging against the Jays here. You got the gold star for that one. Um, debatably more uh, more out there than Ryan Nelson to me. That's why he got it. The sliders combined, that is the slider and the sweeper, went 6 for 13 whiffs. But it was sub-20% usage. And I do wonder if Cutter Crawford, with a really good four-seamer, and not that good of a cutter, ironically, could become more of that fastball slider guy and really soar here. That's really what I'm waiting for. It was 74 pitches, so over time he'll get stretched out as well, but really cool to see that against the Jays, and we'll monitor this moving forward. Corbin Burns went against Pittsburgh and looked great. Seven innings, two earned runs, one hit, two walks, seven Ks. The only hit he allowed was a cutter that was down the middle, but the curve and the cutter were low consistently, and that's what you want to see. Love this. I hope that he can get past being that 25% or under uh, striker arm that he's become. Small steps, guys, not leaps. Brandon Williamson did well against the Padres. Maybe he becomes a mini Wade Miley. As he went five innings, 200 runs, three hits, one walk, and five Ks. It's possible. <laughs> uh, Wade Miley uh, is that cutter guy inside. That's why I'm saying that as a lefty. It's a little bit of a different cutter because he's throwing a tick harder with less uh, drop on it. Maybe he's exchanging that velocity. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not really something that I do want to pursue at the moment. Dylan Cease against the Athletics, 5.1 innings, 3 and runs, 6 hits, 3 walks, and 5 Ks. Against Oakland, very disappointing considering the slider just was either really over the plate or in the dirt. And, yeah, he got 8 whiffs on it, but we need that, no, 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 hovering down in glove side corner of the zone. And wasn't there for this, and the Oakland Athletics, despite being Jokeland, we're still able to do something on that. Obviously, we still start Cease. It's very similar to Glasnow in this way. Uh, Daniel Lynch against the Dodgers. Five innings, three hundred runs, five hits, three walks, four Ks. Nothing really to report here. But it is a Blake Snell blueprint. Four seamers are upstairs. It's just a sub-20%, sorry, 10% swing strike rate, despite the 92nd percentile and high location on those four seamers for Daniel Lynch. Something to think about. He's really for fastball changeup. If he does add a really good breaking ball, maybe that works, but... We're not there now, and I don't really believe that it will happen considering he's in Kansas City. Kyle Muller is throwing harder, but didn't really do much. Five innings, 300 runs, six hits, four walks, four Ks. But he was 93, and now he's 94.5, and even hit 97 in this one, which is really cool. But yeah, five for 51 whiffs on that four-seamer, not cool. And the locations of it are down and arm side, which I don't really like. If he's increasing his velocity up to 97, uh, maybe he can be like a neckbeard of going down with called strikes on it, and then... Uh, sliders and curves underneath, but I don't really think those secondaries are that good. And if he really wants to dominate with these, then he has to elevate with a four-seamer. Otherwise, he'd be throwing a sinker and trying to miss under the bat. I don't know. It just doesn't quite work at the moment for Muller. Matthew Libertore has nothing for us to hold on to, and this wasn't good against the Yankees, and do not start Matthew Libertore. Hunter Brown got singled out by the Rangers. Didn't allow a single home run, but 10 hits here. Four innings, 300 runs, zero walks, six Ks. Don't judge him too hard for that. Keep starting him. Anthony Descafani went three innings of 300 runs, three hits, zero walks, and three Ks. All the threes here um, against the the Mets. Had more threes than some terrible basketball team. Okay, I'm so sorry. Five whiffs, 25% CSW, just 55 pitches as he got the early hook. He does get Rocky Road next, and there's a chance there, but like I really feel like we should be moving on from Descafani. He's well over 20% rostered still, which is kind of shocking to me. It should be a streaming spot instead. Zach Wheeler, very disappointing against the Nationals. Yes, he got a win, six Ks, but five innings, four and runs, seven hits, zero walks against the Nationals. And the curve, sweeper, and slider combined for two over 38 whiffs with just an 8% CSW. That can't happen, Wheeler. 
I love watching him pitch. I love his precision. I love how good his fastballs are. It's just, please figure something out with those secondaries. You got to get better with those. I mean, I, I don't know what to do with the list here because I really do think that those should be much better. And he's one of the few guys that are able to go like seven innings consistently. But man, this is this is really, really tough right now for Zach Wheeler. Um, he's losing ace is going to ace uh, labels potentially. I mean, I think one more start and we see. Marcus Stroman against the Guardians, 5.2 innings, 5 earned runs, 5 hits, 2 walks, 7 Ks. You're worried because now you had 300 runs last time. It was 5 here, and what do you do? You just keep starting Stroman. Come on, don't don't freak out too much. It was just two bad starts after uh, only two earned, two games above 200 runs in 18 starts or 16 starts before this. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yusei Kikuchi against the Red Sox, 4.1 innings of 5 earned runs, 7 hits, 2 walks, and 7 Ks. He did what he was trying to do, which was sliders and curveballs in the zone. The Red Sox jumped on some of them that were hung, and that's that. The skills are still there, and he goes against the Tigers. We're fine. Julio Urias, I was thinking, wasn't a stale ill. It was a stale ill against the Royals. Womp womp. Did not have his command. Wasn't good. We we just hope it's in the past now, and we just start him against the Pirates next. Yuri Perez met the Atlanta Braves in the first inning for .1 innings. Six hundred runs, seven hits, zero walks, zero, zero KC through strikes. Atlanta jumped on him. That happens, man. Happened to DeGrom once, you know, like... Don't worry about it. Uh, we still start Perez as long as he's still pitching for the Marlins. Luis Severino looked terrible against the Cardinals. Actually, looked, I think, a little bit better than he did against the Rangers, even though this was four innings of seven and runs, seven, nine hits, three walks, two Ks. The slider and the cutter and with the changeup are just not good at the moment. I do think his four-seamer is looking good at the top of the zone, honestly. Better command on the fastball in this one, I think, than we saw against the Rangers. But yeah, the, all the stuff was just bad. So, uh, or the secondaries, I should say. I feel like he has a tiara where he could turn around right away once those secondaries get locked in. But right now, yeah, he he's obviously droppable. He's not there whatsoever. And if you find yourself really needing that roster spot or just getting too damaged by Severino, yeah, I, I get it. Um, this is an, a stash really for the second half at this point. Mackenzie Gore against the Phillies, 2.2 innings, 7 earned runs, 6 hits, 3 walks, and 3 Ks. The heater was just 2 for 44 whips. We know how good that pitch can be. It's just without a stable approach and not really the secondaries that you can rely on, which was not the case here, this is going to happen. And it's why Mackenzie Gore is a cherry bomb and not someone I really buy into a wonderful long stretch because he's on the Nationals and there just isn't direction there. And last but not least, you have Johan Aviedo, five innings, eight earned runs, nine hits, three walks, and just one strike. I'm going to butter my bread with this. He's a cherry bomb. Uh, They hit all of his stuff in the zone while his four-seamer was just not good. And that's that, really. Um, he gets the Dodgers next, and we don't do that one. But Aviedo is still going to be someone you stream in the second half. Looking forward to today, you know all of this already. Uh, Strider, Cole, Gosman, Castillo, Zach Gallon, Alcantara was all in that top tier. I know Alcantara is not doing well against Atlanta, and we'll talk about that in the roundup. Very disappointing. I probably should have put Alcantara in the problem start just because Atlanta did so well against, you know, they're just such a good offense that I really should have considered that more. Uh, probable start to your Ranger Suarez, T- Taj Bradley, Reed Detmers, uh, Sonny Gray, uh, Hugh Darvish was scratched for Adrian Morejon, um, Tony Gonsolin, Michael Kopech, Jonah Montgomery, Andrew Abbott, Garrett Willock was removed with elbow soreness and it's all kinds of pain. Uh, Aaron Savali and Paul Blackburn were in that uh, probable start tier. And questionable start, you have Colin Ray, David Peterson, James Antione, Cole Irvin, Rich Hill, Andrew Heaney, Brady Singer, and the do not start is Trevor Williams, Ross Stripling, Connor Seabold, Matt Manning, and Sean uh, Dubin. 
Now, looking forward to tomorrow, which is a lot more applicable, I imagine, for you listening to this. Joe Ryan, Blake Snell, Clayton Kershaw, Logan Webb, and Tyler Wells are on that top tier. I don't know if Clayton Kershaw is actually going to make that start against the Pirates. They haven't outright uh, said no yet. But yeah, if I'm a betting man, I'm saying he's not making that. And they're going to be very safe entering the All-Star break here for Clayton Kershaw. Whoever they replace him with, I'm not really that interested in. Uh, Parable start tier, you have Braxton Garrett. Bryce Elder, Brian Wu is still at 20% roster, so he's the stream pick of the day, which is shocking to me. Mitch Keller against the Dodgers, I think you star him if you have him. Domingo Herman against the Orioles, you guys know I wasn't too high on that start despite being a perfect game. I think it was a lot of the athletics just making some terrible swing decisions. But it is Baltimore who aren't too scary and that could work out. Their offense is fatigued too after a perfect game or a no-hitter, but it was just 99 pitches, not like 115, 120, so... It should be okay. Um, I should mention, though, Domingo Herman is part of that, like, yeah, we don't like him as a human. Um, and I should mention this, if you don't know, suspended for 81 games uh, because he made his girlfriend uh, terrified and hiding in a closet as he was inebriated. Yeah. Um, DV charge. So just want to remind everyone on that, uh, you know, fantasy doesn't necessarily change things, but you should just be aware of these people. Um, Christian Javier against the Rangers. Uh, I understand if you want to not start him here tomorrow. That is a major concern considering Christian Javier hasn't looked good for about a month now and it's the Rangers. So if you want to put him questionable, by all means, I'm putting him here just because I feel that Christian Javier should be better than he has been. And if I have Christian Javier in a Roto League, I think I still do it. But I might tomorrow put him down into questionable just because you might want to sit this one singular one out against a really, really tough offense. Uh, in the questionable start here, you have Miles Michaelis, which seems like it should be a problem against the Marlins, but Michaelis just isn't that good. So if you want to do it, go ahead, but I don't really want to. Gavin Williams gets Atlanta, and what do you know? Atlanta's a really good offense, so be careful there. Uh, Drew Smiley needs to get his, his curveball down, and Milwaukee has messed up the Pirates, so he's questionable. Jake Irvin has two dicks extra velocity, but it is the Reds. And Julio Tehran, you can drop him after the other start because it's a Vargas rule where we say, hey, after the first bad one, we can get rid of him. It is the Cubs, so if you really want to throw the dice, then go ahead, but I don't want to do it. And lastly, in the do not start tier, it's Martin Perez against the Astros, obviously not. Luke Weaver against the Nationals, no thank you. Luke Weaver, Jaime Berea didn't get a single strikeout against the White Sox, now gets the Padres. And Austin Cox, who I was a little bit interested in after going 8 for 24, four seamer whiffs in a very small uh, relief appearance, but then went 1 for 40 in his last start on that four-seamer. So no thank you against the Twins. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for supporting what we do and leaving your rating review on Apple iTunes. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your papas be low and your strikeouts high.